We have uh, two scripture passages tonight, an Old Testament scripture passage and a New Testament scripture passage. Job chapter 1, first 12 verses, can be found in your pew Bible on page 788. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, bless the reading and preaching of your word. May we know, Lord, um, that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are who we put our trust in, and that you have created all things for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's word. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also was with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We're also going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 1, your Bible page 1862. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in his last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, 
You lay the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also looking at Belgic Confession, Article 12. Can we found in the back of the Green Psalter hymnals on page 74. Article 12, entitled, The Creation of All Things, Especially the Angels. So we believe and confess with the heart. We believe that the Father, by the Word, that is, by His Son, has created of nothing the heaven, the earth, and all creatures, when it seemed good unto Him, giving unto every creature its being, shape, form, and several offices to serve its Creator. That he also still upholds and governs them by his eternal providence and infinite power for the service of mankind to the end that man may serve his God. He also created the angels good to be his messengers and to serve his elect, some of whom are fallen from that excellency in which God created them into everlasting perdition. And the others have by the grace of God remained steadfast and continued in their first state. The devils and evil spirits are so depraved that they are enemies of God and every good thing. To the utmost of their power as murderers watching to ruin the church and every member thereof, and by their wicked stratagems to destroy all, and are therefore by their own wickedness adjudged to eternal damnation, daily expecting their horrible torments. Therefore we reject and abhor the error of the Sadducees, who deny the existence of spirits and angels, and also that of the Manichees, who assert that the devils have their origin of themselves and that they are wicked of their own nature without having been corrupted. That's the teaching of the Catechism. Once again, I'm going to use my copy from Mid-America Reformed Seminary. This is our classroom uh, copy that we had during all of my classes at seminary uh, to use as confessional references. Um, I just uh, am doing this because it's broken up a little bit better and easier to follow here in this so I can make sure I... I know what I'm looking at, so might be some slight differences in translation, but uh, the gist of it is the same. So, um, the question that I have for us tonight, is it more important uh, that something happened, or why something happened? Maybe this is another way to say how. One of the shows that's always cool when it comes on is How It's Made. Have you ever seen those shows where it shows you how they make this kind of candy or this uh, bike tires or whatever? It's pretty cool. But those stories, those shows never tell you why something's made. Well, we make this at this amount of price bulk so when we sell it we make this much profit and this is so that we can provide for our families and so the question is is it more important to know that something happened or why something happened and this is an important question 
pertaining to our topic tonight of creation. Is it more important to know that God created the heavens and the earth or why? I know I'm going to say that both are important, but there is some significance to the why question. Herman Bavink once said, the first page of the Bible is more significant than all the folios of the naturalists and philosophers combined. You see, creation is an essential fact that we must know. We did not pop out of nowhere. We are not the descendants of fish goo. There was a creation. There is a God. But I want to argue that knowing why God created is also important. And this is why Belgian Confessional Article 12 is good. This is what it's good at doing. It not only tells us that God created, but also why. It points us to the why. And so, we're going to look at this tonight under this theme. God created... For his glory, we'll do a capital H there, and for our good. And we have four points tonight. The creation of all things. And why. And just include and why after all these, okay? The creation of the angels. And why. The fall. Of some angels. And why? And the last point is basically just a rejection of errors. So let's start with this first point the creation of all things and why. Maybe you're curious why I chose these particular passages, Job and Hebrews. Well, it's because both of these give us insight into not only creation, but also um, the realm of angels. And that's something that we don't often um, talk about in detail, but uh, it's important to know. The creation of all things and why. Article 12 begins with this phrase. We believe that the Father... By the word, that is, by his son, has created of nothing. It's an important phrase in this. The heaven, the earth, and all creatures, when it seemed good unto him, giving unto every creature its being, shape, form, and several offices to serve its creator. So, uh, two important phrases in this. Uh, of nothing, and also this phrase.
Um, of nothing means that there was not pre-existing matter that God used to create what we have here. It is pretty difficult to, to think about this, but before God created, there was just God. There was nothing else. And uh, God was everything. And there was no existence outside of him. Nothing else. There was nothing else. And so when God created, he created out of nothing. He created ex nihilo. He created without any pre-existing material. And this makes him the principium. This makes him the uh, unmoved mover. This makes him uh, the, the, the origin of all things. And that's important because when you go out into the world today, you're going to face a lot of questions like, well, um, you know, if God created this world, then who created God? Nobody created God. God has always existed eternally. Out of nothing. And this is important because when we confess in the Nicene Creed, we say those words, um, I believe God the Father, um, creator of everything that we see. You know what? I'm just going to reference it because I have it right here. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. Why do you think it says visible and invisible? Because the Bible presumes that there are two realities in this creation. There is a physical reality and there is a spiritual reality. In fact, the first words of the scripture... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth are not actually about the earth and the stars like we saw tonight. It's about those two realities, the visible and the invisible. And so, God created the heavens, all the invisible realities, and the earth. And that's a summary statement that we then see fleshed out when we read in Job. That God is in his throne room, right? And the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. Well, this heavenly throne room is part of the creation that God created. God was not always in this heavenly throne room. There was at one point nothing but God. And then God created the heavens and the earth. And he now dwells, in a sense, in that heavenly realm, in that throne room. And so, the Bible tells us, we believe that the Father, by the word, that is, by his Son, created out of nothing the heaven, the earth, and all creatures, when it seemed good unto him, given unto every creature, its being, shape, form, and several offices, to serve its creator. When it seemed good unto him is important for this reason. There is no need... Or have to 
about creation. God was not lonely and said, I need to make the earth and all the creatures that fill it. There was not something lacking in God, and so he decided to create the heavens, the earth, and all creatures. This is something God chose to do, wanted to do, did not need to do. And so he did it when it seemed good to him. And if you really want to get real mind-boggling, how can God do something when it seemed good to him when God is outside of time and there is no win it for him? Think about that for a moment. Just a moment, though. Don't go too far. So he created everything, right? That is the fact. The creation of all things. But what about the why? Well, we're told in the second phrase of the, uh, the article that he still also upholds and governs them by his eternal providence and infinite power for the service of mankind to the end that man may serve his God. So... To serve its creator. And for the service of mankind. To the end that man may serve his God. So this creation exists the heaven, the earth, and all creatures within it, for one thing, to display the glory of God. To display who God is. And one main front and center element of this display of the glory of God is to have creatures who are made in His image, whom this creation serves as a place in which we can come to know that God and worship that God and serve that God. And so therefore, the creation of all things and why is God created for his glory and for our good. Now, I know that in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, uh, the preacher there, many believe is Solomon, is so depressed that he says, I wish I had never been born. But I'm assuming that most of us here today are glad that we exist rather than not existing. Can I get an amen? And most people you talk to who are survivors of attempted abortions or who fall in that category of, well, we shouldn't let them live because then they're going to suffer in the foster care system or, or not have enough money, usually say, hey, I'm glad that I exist rather than not exist. And so God created, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He wanted a stage upon which his glory could be displayed. Uh, he wanted players in this, 
in this, on this stage who are made in his image, who can acknowledge him and give praise and glory to him for creating them. For the service of mankind to the end. To the end. That through this, we may come to see Jesus Christ as our Savior and serve God for eternity. So the creation of all things and why. Oh, man, I erased it all. I didn't do the smart thing. I didn't mean to. Okay. So, when we read the story of Genesis, we need to understand that we're not being told everything. We're being told everything that we need to know. But front and center in the story of Genesis, front and center in the first three chapters of Genesis is the creation of of mankind, the creation of human beings made in the image of God. But as they're there in the garden and some serpent comes in and starts whispering lies to them, don't you need to ask the question, where does this guy come from? That's a part of the story. That's a part of the creation that's included in that first phrase. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And part of God's creation of the heavens are the servants in that invisible realm, the angels. And so, in that prologue before the Genesis 1-1, there's a lot of things that happen that we draw out of the scriptures from references here, from references there, that tell us about what happened, what went on. And Article 12 of the Belgian Confession is attempting to summarize that. God created the angels good. To be his messengers and to serve his elect. So these angels function as the why, right? Messengers. And to serve the elect. So in Job, you have that picture, right? Of God being in the throne room. And one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord almost as if to, to say, what are our marching orders? Tell us what we're to do. And we see here this, this person, Satan, the accuser, he comes before the Lord as well. And the Lord says, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been roaming through the earth, going back and forth. This is this invisible realm being explained for us, right? And in, in the book of Hebrews, we see that Jesus is being compared to the angels. 
as one that is greater than the angels. And we read in Hebrews chapter 1 that are not the angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's where this understanding that they are called to serve the elect. That does not mean that we have each of us assigned a guardian angel. That's not something that comes from the Bible. But we have ministering angels who come to us and who care for us uh, because we are those who inherit salvation. Messengers, any time in the Old Testament you see that someone comes and receives a message of the Lord, it says, the angel of the Lord came and said, speaking as if they are the Lord, these things, right? We're reading the birth narrative of Jesus right now. Gabriel is the messenger of the Lord. He comes from the throne room of God to tell Zechariah these things. Gabriel comes to, to Mary, and he uh, tells her what she's to do, what her calling is, what her job is. Um, we see that when Jesus goes out and he goes into the wilderness and following his temptations, that he's cared for by angels following that, that temptation period. And so here are these angels, but we also, in time, as we read the Old Testament, find out that there are not only good angels... There are these creatures called demons. And we'll get to that in our third point. But right now, we're talking about the creation of angels and why. God, we're told, created the angels good, upright, to be his messengers and to serve his elect. And since I think we're already there, I'm just going to go straight to it. The fall of some angels. I'm, I'm actually impressed I haven't wrote angles yet. Man. Uh, the fall of some angels and why. This is point three. Probably could have just combined these. Um, but... We read in the scriptures, we see in the very first pages the serpent who comes in, who deceives Adam and Eve. We read in Job that, that Hasatan, Satan is this creature like the angels. He comes into the realm of the angels and he comes before the Lord and, and he tells the Lord he's been roaming around the earth to and fro. And we read in the New Testament more clearly these, these demons that speak to Jesus and know who Jesus is and, and, and are waiting their torment, their time of torment. And Jesus, he casts them out of these people. He casts the demons out. He exercises these demons. We see a lot of interplay between the kingdom of darkness and Jesus' ministry, right? Where do these angels, fallen angels, come from? Well, in a very similar way that we do not put on God that he is the author of evil because God created Adam and Eve upright and good and they chose to turn away from God and to follow their own path. Belgian Confession Article 12 tells us that God made all the angels good. And we don't really know all the details, but in some sense, he did not make them in a permanent state. Right? 
That good is not a, it's not a permanent state that they can't fall from because some do. He also created the angels good to be his messengers and to serve his elect, some of whom are fallen from that excellency in which God created them into everlasting perdition. And the others have by the grace of God remained steadfast and continued in their first state. So what we're being told about the reason why there are uh, the fall of some angels is um, that... Uh, there, there are a number of passages that people look to that, that um, Satan became jealous of God's position. He desired in his pride to, 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 to partake of it, to grab it, to hold on to it. Um, and so he and a number of other angels turn away from their uh, calling to be the messengers of God and to serve the elect and now become the adversaries of God. And who are after the elect. But there are also angels who now continue and remain in that place. The good place that God created them. Continue in their first state. Um, sustained in that by the Lord. The Belgian Confession continues on. The devils and evil spirits are so depraved that they are enemies of God in every good thing. To the utmost of their power as murderers watching to ruin the church and every member thereof. And by their wicked stratagems to destroy all. And are therefore by their own wickedness judged to eternal damnation daily expecting their horrible torments. Um, so... The, uh, the cultural understanding of the devil and his demons is that hell is his abode. He actually likes hell. That's his home. He hangs out there, and that's where he sends all of his minions out from. The biblical understanding is that God creates hell as a place of judgment for Satan and the demons and all those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. They're, here they're described as depraved enemies of God beyond hope of restoration who know that they are waiting eternal damnation and daily expect their horrible torments. And in these phrases, you could think of the words that these demons would often say to Jesus when he would confront them. Uh, we know who you are. Please don't send us. Um, to our torment. Please don't send us to... We, we know what's coming for us. Judgment is coming for us. We are ready for this. We're we are, we are, we are always aware of this and it torments us that this coming judgment is, 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 is coming to us. The devil, the Satan and, and demons, they are seeking to ruin the church and every member thereof. But it's important that we remember that just as in the book of Job, it's the Lord who grants Satan permission to test Job. That their very continued existence, 
Satan and the demons. It's something that is being allowed and sustained by God himself. We read every creature being shaped, form, and several offices still uphold and governed by God, by his eternal providence and infinite power for the service of mankind to the end that man may serve his God. This includes the fallen angels. Well, Carrie, are you telling me that God actually sustains the existence, upholds, and governs his enemies? Yes. Carrie, are you telling me that God can even use Satan and his demons for his glory and for our good? Yes. That's what I'm telling you. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what Paul himself says when he speaks of the thorn in the flesh, which is what? A messenger of Satan who came to him and humbled him and brought him to a place where he was crying out to God. And when he heard the words of Jesus, this has been given to you that you may know that your strength is in your weakness, that you must depend on me. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. Well, the Bible is the one that tells us that Saul, King Saul, who was tormented, right, received an evil spirit from where? From God. They would often make him go mad and throw spears at David. They caused David to go hiding in the caves and crafted David to become the man that he would be, to be the king. Led by God for his glory and for David's good, he went through those difficulties and those trials and those hardships. Martin Luther often said, the devil is God's devil. And in the coming of Jesus Christ, we are told that Jesus has come and he has bound the strong man. That Satan is now chained and unable to deceive the nations. Does he still have power in a sense Is he still called the God of this age in the scriptures? Yes. Can he still be going around prowling like a roaring lion, often like Job described him, roaming the earth to and fro, right? Looking for someone to devour. Does he still whisper lies and deception? Does he still come to believers and accuse them and make them doubt? Of course he does these things but not without God's sovereign permission, God's sovereign guidance for God's glory and for our good. And the final point we have tonight is simply the rejection of errors listed at the end I'm going to call that a deal. Two points in one. 
So, um, the two, and you know what? I'm probably spelling these wrongs, so don't give me a hard time. The Sadducees and the Manichaeans, the Manichaeans, hey, what do you know? <laughs> that is impressive. I am, I have shocked myself. Ah, there is a God. Therefore, we reject and abhor the error of the Sadducees. We deny the existence of spirits and angels. The Sadducees were a group of religious leaders that were a, a separate party from the Pharisees at the time of Jesus. And if you want to understand a little bit about the Sadducees' belief and their understanding of doctrine... Uh, we're told that one time the Sadducees sent somebody um, to test Jesus. And because they think the, the spiritual realm and angels and all that stuff is, is wonky and it doesn't exist, it's, it's, it's this false idea, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we know that the, 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 Levi, the, the Leverite law says that if a man uh, has a brother and he dies before producing offspring, uh, with his wife, then it's that other brother's duty to then uh, marry his widow and produce uh, an heir for him. And so this man marries this woman. He dies without having any children. So she marries his brother, and they have he has seven brothers. And all the way down to the seventh brother, they never have any offspring. And then they both die, and in the resurrection, who's she going to be married to? Ha ha, gotcha! Isn't that ridiculous? And Jesus' response is simply... You don't understand. In the resurrection, we won't be married or given in marriage because we will be like the angels. And many people know that, but do they know that Jesus went on to say, Don't you know that God is the God of the living, not the dead? Because if there is no afterlife, there is no resurrection, there is no spirit and angels, then what the Sadducees are saying is, this is the life that you have, and then plop, your worm food. That's it. Jesus says, don't you read in the Old Testament, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Jabok. Why is it important that Jesus said God is the God of the living? Because in the Old Testament, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, because if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead then God would say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still living, for they have been chosen by God, and they are in the presence of God, God could say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we reject the error of the Sadducees, we deny the existence of spirits and angels, and also that of the Manichaeans. The Manichaeans come from 
an old uh, early church person called Marcion. And Marcion is important because he was one of the first people who um, wrote down a canon of books that he accepted. But he's also important because he's one of the first who began to bifurcate between the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament. And say that the God of the Old Testament is this evil God. Um, and the God of the Old Testament is part of these, um, these uh, devils who have their origin of themselves. They're like an, an opposing God. Like the yin and the yang, the good and the evil, right? Um, they are self-existent. They, they, uh, the devils came into existence of themselves. They were not created by God. They are not sustained by God. And they're wicked of their own nature without having been corrupted. And so uh, a new God comes, enters into the field in the New Testament and sends his son Jesus to defeat the old God, the evil God. Pretty crazy, right? But the important part of the Manichaean Marcion belief is that they, uh, uh, the Manichaeans, believe that the devils were not created by God. They have their origin of themselves and they're wicked of their own nature. They didn't start good and fall from that nature. They simply always been evil, and so my question would simply be, well, then who created those devils? And we reject those errors. And so I tell you, as we close out this sermon, is it more important to know that something happened, or why? We've looked at the fact that God created all things, including the invisible realities, the visible realities, heaven, earth, and all creatures, including humans who are made in his image, including angels, both good angels and fallen angels. They're all created by God. They're all sustained by God. They're all upheld by God. We also learn that God created for his glory and for our good. He created everything that we see, everything that is here. So that we, those people made in his image, would come to see him, acknowledge him, give him praise and give him glory for his creation. Look out at Jupiter and Saturn hanging right above each other and say, isn't that amazing? God did that. Go through all the things that we go through in our life and say, God, I'm so thankful for this life that I have that you've created, that you've given to me. You didn't have to. You wanted to. You gave me life. That I may praise you and serve you and glorify you. That you may receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and that I might receive good. And spend eternity praising you and glorifying you. God created all things for his glory and our good. And I'm sure glad he did.
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, uh, this knowledge that you've revealed to us. Thank you that we see here in your word that you are the creator of all things, and that you created all things for your glory, for the service of mankind, and to the end that we may serve you. And we praise you, Lord, for this creation. We praise you for our lives that you've given to us. We praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's made it possible that we may be free from the tyranny of the devil, that we may be um, free from the debt of our sins against you, that we may serve you, Lord, all the rest of the days of our life on into eternity. That's what we were created to do, and that's what we long to do. And so we praise you, Lord. We praise you for the creation. We praise you for giving us life. And we praise you for the angels who are your messengers and who serve us, your elect. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.